Welcome to Someone to Talk To, a podcast about faith and life with me, Josh, and my friend, Jason. So I was at, I'm just going to jump right in. I was jump at, in. I was at my life group meeting this last Thursday. Um, and toward the end of the group, we got an opportunity to kind of just have some loose random discussion. And there was a couple of people asking about the podcast and how it was going. And then a couple of questions came up. Um, which was great because it was the first time, um, other than a buddy of mine that texted and said he thought we were awesome, it was the first time I'd really gotten any feedback about what it is we're doing. Um, so it was really, really good for me to hear back from some people, especially people that are very dear friends of mine. I've been in life group with these guys for, gosh, some of them almost eight years now. So this is kind of my inner circle. Right. Um, so it was nice that I felt like they could be open and honest about some stuff um, and not have to worry about right me being upset by it or taking it the wrong way. Um, but the main thing that they said, the main question that I heard being asked was kind of a, who are you? Oh, I thought you were going to say, why are you doing this? Oh, kind of. It was a, but more... <laughs> Not, not why are you doing this, but more, what's your why? Gotcha. Like, what's your, what's your purpose? Who are you? What is it? Why are you doing what you're doing? Um, I, to me, it really felt like when the Pharisees confronted Jesus and asked, by whose authority do you teach? That's the way that that question felt to me. It wasn't like a, why are you doing this? It was right. a, why are you doing this? And what is the purpose behind what it is that you're doing? So it dawned on me that while that small group of listeners know me and know who I am and what I stand for and really know and understand my heart, Mm. the larger audience, and especially if this gets bigger, as this gets bigger, the larger audience is going to have no idea who we are, what we stand for, right? If I say something out of context, this group of people can look at that and go, yeah, that's a little harsh, but that's not Jason's heart, right? I know that's not the way he feels or the way that he means. And then it provides an opportunity for us to have conversation around that as opposed to them just passing judgment because he said this thing. Um, So I thought it would be a really good idea this morning if you and I um, just kind of share some of our backstory as to right, what our faith journey looks like and how it is that we got to where we are, right? How did we get to a place where we felt like we had any business, any authority sitting here telling people what they should and shouldn't feel, believe, or think the overall picture right. being we don't. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I, I don't think that we necessarily believe that we do. Um, Right. But some of our listeners, some of the people that are listening to us are going to be like, well, who the heck is this guy? Um, so I kind of felt like we should let them know. Yeah. I will happily dive headfirst into my own story because I get to tell it often. So I should be able to keep the giant convoluted mess to a relatively <laughs> short amount of time. You're well practiced. Is that what you're saying? I have become well-practiced so, because we're such good friends. And I feel like I have the, the runway to do this. Um, a couple of things to just add on to your point. The first one being, 
in the tech, like, you know, podcasting was something like I, I knew how to record it. I went to school for video and audio production. So this, this part of it is something that, you know, I had to dust off some of those skills, but that was never like, technically that was not a challenge that I was, you know, concerned about when it came to actually putting the podcast up and making this available to people, I had to do a little digging and I, and I had known a client actually who had used anchor to get the podcast up because anchor does a really good job of distributing it to all the, um, all the places where people tend to stream podcasts. Uh, so what I did as I was doing that process is I actually put in a description of this in the very first episode of kind of a little bit about what you were saying. Um, and the reason why I did that is when you were like, you know, I want to be really clear your passion for podcasting far outweighs mine. Like this is something that you really wanted to do. And we talked about that in the first episode. Um, the other part of it is, is I, when you, when you were, when you, when you finally got me to the point where I said, okay, let's do this. I was the person who was like, we need to have a plan. We need to do. And you were like, no, we just need to click record. And then we'll, we'll do it later. And I was like, wait a minute. Like the marketing brain in me was like, no, we need a logo. It needs to have a name. We need to have a description. All And you were like, no, just press record. And we'll... so it was like this weird tension that we managed to get the first episode up and going. But I do think it's appropriate to at least have one episode where we maybe not catch everybody up on the past, you know, half dozen years of us meeting and having coffee, but at least try to, like you said, provide that context to where this came from. And I think I think it should be noted and we do a good job of this in every episode of telling people that this is a conversation that you and I have. We're recording it because we think there's value in these types of conversations and in this type of fellowship where two people come together and just really be transparent with one another. But also we recognize we don't have all the answers. I mean, we've spent a ton of time talking about the church in America already and, and there's a lot of reasons for that. You can go back and listen to episodes two and three to dig into that. But ultimately, we don't have the answers. We just know what's coming out from inside of us and what we feel like the Holy Spirit is putting in us and what we're reading and what we're, we're experiencing when it comes to church. So anything we talk about from Marvel Cinematic Universe to the church in, in 21st century America we literally have zero answers. It's mostly just our, our opinions and our thoughts. So with that fire away, dude, right. what's that your is absolutely, absolutely the truth. Um, and for the record, and you know this about me and my wife does as well, but I am always a jump first, figure it out later kind of person. <laughs> yep. Um, it's a good thing. I don't skydive ready, fire, aim. Yes, that is me in a nutshell. Um, the greatest compliment that I have gotten from people so far about what we're doing here, and I've gotten this more than one time, which was fantastic, was it really feels like eavesdropping on two guys having a conversation in a coffee shop, which is awesome because I really feel like that's what we were going for. Right. Just this raw, right, kind of untamed two dudes having coffee talking about life so on some level we're doing that and that's i think an accomplishment so i think um the funny part about all this is too is you're so much more plugged into a group of people that goes beyond 
like your life group, right? Like that's a group that you've been connected to. It's something that with Natalie and I, my wife and I, as we've had young kids and still have young kids, it's been something that's not been on the forefront of our spiritual journey, right? Is to be connected in that. We have done other kinds of groups. We've led a starting point group, which is curriculum provided by Andy Stanley. We've uh, led or attempted to lead uh, blended families and step family groups, which is a huge passion for us. Um, but being in a connected life group is, is not something that's been, you know, on our, on our to-do list yet. Uh, doesn't mean we're not connected. It just doesn't mean we're connected in that way. So you get so much more feedback than I do at all. Like I literally have had zero people come up to me and talk to me about my podcast. And so apparently, I, go ahead. And apparently when you post about it on Facebook, you get crickets. So that's yeah. apparently not the forum that people well, want to have that conversation. in. And I tweet, I, I tweet, so Jason posts about each episode on Facebook and then tags me in it. So I know that it's showing up on my Facebook and in my feed. I tweet about it as well. I've even kicked around the idea of including it in my company's newsletter, which is my company. So I have the right to do that. I just, it's so funny because no, I just don't know like the, of the people who have listened to date of our, of our small yet loyal fan base, most of them are connected to you which is great. I think that's awesome. So I'm glad that we're getting feedback on some level. It's just, it's just cracking me up because like not even my parents are like, Hey, I really, listen, I really enjoyed that MCU conversation. I don't even think my mom knows it. If she did, I don't even know if she knows what a podcast is. My mom did say she really enjoyed the MCU conversation. I, I saw that she did. She did <laughs> post about that on Facebook, which I thought was kind of funny. Yeah. And good for her. I was out, um, I, I went and, and met up with a friend of mine for skiing and, uh, you know, cause skiing is one of those great activities you can do outside right now and be socially distanced. Um, and they, most ski hills are requiring a mask. So we were wearing masks and we're on a chairlift. And I mentioned, um, we were doing, I was doing a podcast and I mentioned that we talked about the, the MCU and he had just mentioned star Wars to me. So like my nerd antenna went up and I was like, Oh, star Wars. Like if he, if he, and he like mentioned star Wars, like, in a way that you have to watch to know. So then I was like, you watch the Mandalorian. He was like, Oh yeah, we're all caught up. So then my, you know, my nerd antenna is up. So I mentioned this podcast and then we just talked about the Marvel cinematic universe. And he goes, are those the funny ones or are those the really dark and serious ones? And I was like, Oh, clearly not as much of a nerd as me. I knew what he meant by that. I knew the funny ones are Marvel and the dark serious ones are DC. I understood that. But I was like, oh, bummer. Like, I, and, and, you know, I guess I don't get to have that conversation. So there's going to be plenty of people who listen to that episode and go, I have zero invested in what they're talking about right now. Yeah, that close circle of friends that I got feedback from, a couple of them were like, yeah, I had to turn it off. Oh, like, I'm just, I'm just not, that's just not my thing. And I'm not really into that. So it didn't have anything for me. So I was like, okay, good to and know. We even talked about maybe doing a part two. So we might have to wait. Part two might be down the road. We'll sneak it in at some point down the road. <laughs> All right. Uh, a little bit of backstory. Um, I could literally tell this story of mine in a seminar um, so I'm really going to do my best. You should, uh, to, you should be the, of all the people I've seen talk at seminars. <laughs> I would <laughs> prefer to have listened to you. <laughs> I'm going to do my best to keep it short um, and sweet, but it is a long, complicated um, story. So I'll set a timer. Oh, that would spike egg timer, probably like <laughs> five minutes. And now you have two to wrap up. Just like a life group thing. All Tell right. your story in two minutes. And you have, yeah. 
you have until this timer runs out. Yeah, that didn't ever actually. I don't think anybody ever actually stuck to the timer. Um, Josh, we're meant we're not meant to do life together. Yeah, and I know that sounds incredibly cliche, but y'all should really get hooked up with somebody to be there and support you. That's honestly, um, that kind of sounds like a commercial, but especially through this last uh, year, year and a half of difficulty and times that we've been going through, our life group has been um, like incredibly supportive and incredibly encouraging. And it's been really, really good to not feel alone during the last year and a half of pandemic and crises and all of those things. I'll I'll say this. I want to, you haven't even started yet. We're like 15 minutes into this. You haven't even started yet. Um, Did you, we're going to tell our story today. Maybe. Um, I, there's a couple things just real quick. I was, I love being, I'm a very social person. I am an extrovert and I love being around people, but with the busyness of life, you know, pre pandemic with kids in sports and uh, you know, uh, the running your own business and doing all those things, I did not make time for, for, relationships in the same way that I probably should have. Um, and you and I were, were one relationship that I was really consistent to maintain, but I had a couple, I have a, you know, several other guy friends and there was a period in my life where I had like zero guy friends um, and zero friends in general. Like my wife and I were friends and like, we just didn't really have a huge group and a lot of that just young family kind of stuff. The pandemic has, for me, has really highlighted how essential having those relationships are. I have done zoom calls and, and, you know, virtual beers with people that it would have never occurred to me to do that with before this, you know what I mean? Like, and so the pandemic as terrible as has been in so many ways, cause I'm not underplaying that or downplaying that there it's really highlighted to me, the importance of some of those relationships that I just was not valuing enough. And then also you and I hug, but I'm not a huge hugger. And I'm like, now I'm going, I'm a hugger. I think, I think I was also like not considering how important hugging is and, you know, appropriate human Um, contact. Yes. I just, so, you know, your life group is something that I think is really special. And if people out there listening to this, especially as we get out of the the COVID-19 pandemic, if you have the opportunity to join a life group, like don't wait, and it's going to be wicked awkward at first. Um, for a lot of people, it might be something that pushes you, but man, so important. Most of the, the really good relationships I have came out of some sort of a small group environment, whether it was a business small group or a church small group. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now you can start. Okay. Now we'll we reset that. We'll reset the, egg we'll timer. Reset the timer. Your time's up. Sorry. You are out of time. Um, okay. Where to start? Um, my, I'm just going to go for it. Yeah. Uh, my, my wife and I of almost seven years, um, our relationship actually started as the result of an affair. Um, I was married for almost 10 years prior to her and was a serial cheater basically throughout our entire relationship. And she didn't know it, unfortunately, until the very, very end. Um, that's not something that I'm proud of in any way, shape or form. Um, but we have talked several times in the early episodes about our past being dumpster fires. And that's, <laughs> that's kind of the raging inferno 
for me of when my life was um, a dumpster fire. Right. Um, so my wife and I met and started an affair and ended up um, leaving our spouses so that we could be together basically. Um, and this was all pre church, pre Jesus in our lives. Um, so even the first couple of few years of our relationship, um, I want to say the first three years probably were marked more by uh, chaos and difficulty than anything else in our lives. The first three years of our relationship were really tumultuous. Um, we were going out a lot. We were partying a lot. We were drinking a lot. Um, we were um, just not really, we weren't necessarily getting along with each other. There was a lot of things we didn't really see eye to eye on. Um, and we had both had difficulty communicating those things. Um, we broke up a lot in those first three years. <laughs> um, but somewhere along the way, we, I had been going to church um, up north because I was getting the opportunity to spend Sunday with my kids. Um, so I was going to a church with them up north. And Crystal had actually been invited to a church out in Hayden by her ex-husband. And so she had been going to church out there. Um, and there came a time where we had a conversation about what it would look like if we went to church together. Uh, so we started doing that and we started, it was church. Like I had never experienced before. It was interesting and it was engaging and we were learning a ton of stuff. Um, we would go to church and just be like, have our eyes opened and we would have these incredible enlightening conversations on the way home about what we were learning and what we were discovering. Um, and then we would wake up the next morning and on Monday and begin chaos all over again. We were in the bar Monday night, uh, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, Thursday night. Um, and so we were really living this double life that looked like church people on Sunday and the world people on Monday uh, there actually came a time in our relationship when Crystal said to me, after we had been going to church for probably a little while, I want to say um, probably close to two years, I just fell in a seat on Sunday. And Crystal, I remember it so vividly, we were getting ready for work in the morning and Crystal was in the bathroom doing her hair and I'm standing outside the bathroom, like looking in um, and we're just kind of chit-chatting, talking about our morning and what's going on today. And kind of randomly out of nowhere, she says to me, she says, I can't do this anymore. She was like, I can't go to church on Sunday and be so filled up and full of life and then flush it all down the toilet on Monday. She was like, I can't continue to live this double life that we're living. So she looks at me and she says, I need you to choose. And whatever lifestyle it is that you choose, I'll go with you. But I can't do both. So she when was willing my, to like circle the drain with you or climb your way, climb her way out. She was just that's like, a, you, you have to pick. That's a really good way to look at that. Yeah, it was. Um, <laughs> I, I keep wanting to throw things back to biblical stories today, but it was right. The story of Naomi where her daughter-in-law is like, her, the husbands die and she's going back to her home country and the mom's like, Hey, old Testament story. And her mom's like, the mom's like, Hey, go back to your people, do your thing. And she says, 
right? No, she was like, wherever you go, I go. Where you, where right? Where your God will be my God. Where you die, I'll die. And that was basically what she was telling me, right? It was your God will be my God. Whatever God that was that I decided. Whichever you choose. To, to pick, right? Whether it was gluttony and, and drunkenness or and chaos or right or jesus she was going to follow me wherever it was so yeah right. circle the drain that's a really good way to to describe that um so i very very vividly remember sitting there standing in the hallway and being like so excited and i remember all of this stuff going through my head and i'm thinking of like all of the the fun that we were having air quotes fun um, air quotes fun yeah, all of the good times we were having, all the stuff that we were getting into, right? Somehow I managed to block out all of the chaos um, and was just thinking about the, the good times, the fun. Um, interestingly enough, during that period of our lives where we were having so much fun, we were both incredibly miserable. Neither one of us just had the words or the ability to tell the other one like what it is that we were really honestly feeling. Right. Um, but I'm confronted with this choice. And in my head is all of these like, all of these good times and all of this fun and all of this partying that we're doing and all of this stuff. And I'm just like, open my mouth to tell her, yeah, we're going back to the lifestyle. I'll see you at the bar tonight. And literally I opened my mouth and I said, let's just junk all that and go after Jesus as hard as we can. <laughs> and I stopped in the hallway and I literally turned around and looked around the room to see who said that because I knew those words couldn't have come out of my mouth. Right. That was literally my road to Damascus, right? My come to Jesus meeting, right? Getting knocked off of my horse and being like, right, holy cow, what is going on? Who said that? Where did that come from? Um, but that became the big turning point for us. So from that point forward, we very quickly started to kind of get away from our old life um, and very very quickly get into this new dedicated life. So we were going after Jesus as hard as we could at the time, as hard as we knew to. So we were right. It was podcasts and sermons and um, books and all of the things, all that we could absorb about Jesus and God and what are having a relationship with him looked like. Um, and we started to kind of draw those hard lines between, right. Like we talked about a little bit last week, that whole garbage in garbage out. Right thing right like what's good for us what's not good for us what's gonna right be life-giving what's not gonna be life-giving um all of those things and really started to go after god one of the things that we did was we got involved in everything um if it, we were involved in our church and volunteering in our church we were um volunteering in the community we got involved in a couple of um, community groups that were right giving generously to the community um we, we ended up actually starting our own charity at one point, um, just overly super involved in every, anything and everything that we could mm -hmm. get our hands into. And a big piece of that was, right, just kind of over consuming everything that we could to keep us out of harm's way or out of trouble or out of falling back into the life that we were trying so hard to stay out of. So we got super busy. Then I was at a church meeting um, at a church Bible study with pastor one morning um, and we were wrapping up and he asked me to pray us out and I prayed us out. And then he asked me to stay after for a minute after everybody left. So everybody cleared the room 
And pastor looked at me and he was like, he was like, so while you were praying, I kind of got this vision and I wanted to talk to you about it for a second. And I was like, sure. So he said, what I saw while you were praying was I saw this whiteboard and it had all of these circles on it. And each of the circles on the whiteboard represented something that you and your wife are involved in here, either here at the church or out in the community. And he's like, I want you to, I want you to know it's okay if you cross off some of those circles. He was like, I really need you to focus your ministry. Uh, so Crystal and I came home and we kind of had that conversation about focusing our ministry and what that might look like. And the one overwhelming thing that we knew was that prior to our new life with Jesus, we had, we had, right. We were both divorced. Like I said, started as an affair. Um, we, excuse me. Um, we openly mocked marriage. We openly mocked the idea of marriage, the sanctity of marriage. We were never getting married. Um, marriage, <laughs> marriage was marriage was marriage was stupid. So much irony in this. Yes, marriage was stupid. Why do people do that? It's just a piece of paper. Um, all right, we're going to do this our way by our rules, and nobody's going to tell us we need to do anything differently. Well, as part of focusing our ministry, the one thing that we knew overwhelmingly more than anything else was that through this journey, God not only wanted us to get married, but we both felt like he, we knew that he was going to use our marriage to impact other marriages. Um, so that became our thing. We kind of got rid of all of the other things that we were doing on the side and really, really focused on marriage and what that looked like and what could we learn about it. So it was Again, it was books and podcasts and studies and um, sermons and just everything that we could possibly absorb about marriage. Um, our next step was to take a premarital class to our church. Funny story. We walked into church. We walked into church this Sunday morning and it was the Care Network Fair and they have all the tables set up where you could go and meet the people that were right. Teaching and giving the classes. And we walked by the table for premarital and Crystal says to me, she's like, Hey, we should take that class. And I said, no. And she looked at me and she was like, well, why not? And I said, we both been married before we know what we're doing. And she looked back at me and she was like, yeah, how did that work for you the last time? So I was like, yeah, great. So we went and we sat down and we listened to pastor teach for an hour on serving your spouse so <laughs> immediately after I grabbed her hand and I got up and marched out to that table and like literally beat on the table. We are going to take this class. Uh, that class was life-changing for us, right? It really put us in a, which one, us in a, sorry, which one did you do? Cause we did, there was a curriculum that was going around. I, uh, I can't even tell you if I know what it was. And then there's a new one. It was save your marriage before it starts. Is that the one that you did? No, we introduced, I'll get to that later. We actually introduced, uh, save your marriage before it starts. That was us. Okay. Um, we, the wards, Jeff and Glory Ward, were our um, mentors. They were teaching the premarital class at the time, um, and they didn't really have a curriculum. They taught it largely out of uh, their own experience, which was uh. great. They did a fantastic job with it. Um, but obviously, when we took over and started doing that, we couldn't teach the class from their experience. Right. So we had to come up with a curriculum. Right. Um, 
but that was life-changing for us. And it really sent us in a positive, like more focused direction. Um, so part of that journey, right. Part of knowing what we knew from our premarital class and wanting to apply that to our marriage, we came to this, this, this conclusion, this discovery, that if we were going to honor God in our marriage, we needed to also honor him in our pre-marriage. Um, so we went from our rambunctious, um, highly over-sexualized lifestyle um, to a five-year, a five-year, a five-month period of abstinence prior to our wedding, um, right? Just so that we could kind of take a break and take a step back and look at that relationship from a completely different perspective that didn't have anything to do with sex. I just want to be clear, though. Jason's not saying to those of you listening that you can't be over-sexualized in marriage. He's just saying that before no. they got married, they felt like that wasn't honoring God. You should Absolutely. by all means be over-sexualized you, in the healthy ways within marriage. You should. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> when, I Absolutely. Was in, when I was in eighth grade, they did this thing called transition camp where they took you to this camp on, uh, they, I went to school in Chewy, Washington. So they took us to this lake, Deer Lake for one overnight. So all the eighth graders go to this camp. And of course they separate the boys and the girls out into cabins. It was a really cool experience. The, like the first speaker there, it's like this room full of middle schoolers who are about to be high schoolers. And he goes, I'm here to talk to you about high school. And I want you to know that I want you to have sex. I want you to have lots of sex. We're all cheering. And then he goes, when you're married. Wow. <laughs> we were like, oh, okay. Yeah. You can take that out of context. It was so Oof. funny. Oh my gosh. Anyway, I just want to be clear. Like Jason and I talk a lot about our marriages in, 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 in the regards of like, you know, wanting people to understand that Christian marriage is not, does not have to be boring. Absolutely correct. Okay. Um, All right, we felt that it was, we felt that that was an important aspect for us to honor God prior to getting married, married. Um, so we went through a five month period of abstinence. Um, the other biggest piece that came out of that premarital class for us was the idea of forgiveness, mm. um, and forgiving and being forgiven by those people that were closest to you and that you had wronged. So for us, that meant, um, actually going to our own spouses and to each other's ex-spouses um, and seeking that forgiveness from them. That was a huge, huge piece in our, in our healing, in our relationship, in our marriage, and, and kind of putting all of those pieces, starting to put all of those pieces together before we got married. Um, so premarital class was amazing. Um, if you are about to get married or thinking oh, so about good. getting married, please, please, please find a class somewhere and get with somebody and get some, I said before, we weren't meant to do life alone. And that's true in our marriages. Also, mm -hmm. we're not meant to do marriage alone. There are so many people that have gone before you been before you that have known and have experienced these things and want to give other people that information. Like we learned so much. We had both been married for yeah. a substantial period of time. And we learned so much through our premarital class, not only about marriage and what it's like to be married to somebody, but about ourselves and about each other. It was an absolutely fundamental piece in our relationship. I think premarital is, is good for anyone that wants to be married at some point. Like there's so much that you can learn like now 
even if you're single or dating about what you want expectations and all of that. And I will say <clears throat> you and I tend to be, um, I'm not 10. We both are very, you know, LGBTQ friendly. We both tend to support, um, you know, people who may not look like the standard Christian because neither of us were the standard Christian um, at, well, at any given point in our walk. Um, I would say any, any couple of any walk, if you want to be in a healthy relationship, you've got to take, you've got to get your hands in. And, and we both, and you, you'll introduce it, but we both like a particular curriculum that's just really good. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I could not agree with that more. We had several singles that would ask us when we were teaching, right? Should I take this class? <clears throat> Should I get a premarital? And we were like, absolutely. There's no wrong time. If you're interested, if you're thinking, if you ever want to be married in your life, if you have been married and ever want to be married again, there's mm-hmm. no wrong time to take no. a good premarital class. No. Um, so I just realized how much time my really short story is taking. So I'm going to um, <laughs> try to fast forward a little bit. So we end up getting married. Uh, we actually wrote a mission statement um, for our marriage that we have that we have been able to carry out for the last seven years. Um, about a year and a half after we were married, and again, remember we had like dove headlong into this marriage thing and learning about it and studying about it. About a year and a half after we got married, um, the current premarital instructors at our church asked us to take over that program for them. Um, we were more than happy and honored and excited to get to do that Mm -hmm. Uh, because they had taught out of their own experience. We were tasked with finding a curriculum that we could teach and that was replicatable so that as the program expanded and grew, we'd be able to pass it on and teach others to do it. Right. Um, Which was fantastic. Uh, We found a great program called saving your marriage before it starts that comes out of um, Les and Leslie Parrott who teach over at Seattle Pacific university or did at least a couple of years ago when we were still teaching, I would assume that's where the general area that they're still at. Um, But it is such a good program. It's a a seven week instructional course. We did kind of bookend it with um, two other days, two other weeks where we felt like there was some weakness um, in their curriculum, but we just wanted to be able to add some stuff that we felt was really, really important. Um, so we did that. We taught that class, I want to say for gosh, three or four years, I think, Mm -hmm. um, and had the opportunity to impact hundreds of marriages, hundreds of couples came through hundreds of couples. We got to impact, um, that was right. A real, for us, it was looking back at our life and looking back at where we came from and looking back at our dumpster fire. Right. And you go, okay, there's no way that two people who had an affair ruin their own lives, ruin their own relationship, ruin their own relationships. And mind you, like, just because we've been through all of this and gone through all of this, and right. We're on the other side, seven years later, it doesn't mean all of the damage from that is all right. Fixed forgiveness. Forgiveness doesn't mean like all the pieces are magically healed, right? We're still going through that. We're still healing from that process. We're there's still healing that's happening and still healing that's going on. There's still relationship damage, right? That is slowly being put back together over time. Um, There are still opportunities in that for us to, right. To heal and to get better and to find more layers of forgiveness. 
Um, it's not just because we like had a conversation and said, Hey, I forgive you that everything's magically all better. Um, so that's still something that we're working through and going through. Um, so I got off track. Uh, two girls from marital class had the opportunity to impact hundreds and hundreds of couples. That's what I was saying. Who does that? Who takes a couple that had an affair and ruined their own marriages and then says, Hey, I'm going to have you guys get married and teach this premarital class. And then you're going to impact hundreds and hundreds of marriages for the better and right, really show people how to do this and teach people how to do this. Um, and then you look back at all of the stories in the Bible and you look at the way God took people that were right, an absolute mess and absolute dumpster fires. And was like, I'm going to use you to bring right good to my people. And I'm going to use you to lead battles and lead wars and you're going to be the hero. And it's like, who does that? And then you go, Oh, wait a minute. It's not about me. Right. If God takes this dumpster fire couple mm-hmm. and turns them into premarital counselors and couples and impacts as many marriages as they possibly can in the light and the time that they're doing it, who gets the glory for that? Right. It's not me. I didn't do it. I was a mess. I'm still a mess. <laughs> right. But God gets the glory for all of that. And that's why he does things the way that he does things. Pick up your Bible, read, a, read a story. It's about somebody who's a mess and who screwed things up and made mistakes being led and instructed in how to do the most good he can for the most people. And God gets all the glory out of that story. Right. So God gets all the glory out of our story. So we teach premarital for a couple of years, a couple of few years, that couple um, that had us take over for them actually gets promoted up once more and ask us to take over the whole marriage ministry as a whole at the church. So we step into that role um, and we start developing curriculum. We put together a Thursday night, um, a Thursday night event where we could have several classes meeting all at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, and right. So we were doing several marriage classes and uh, financial peace university. And right, I think we had five or six classes going on on Thursday nights at any one given time. Um, and all of the couples that got to come and be impacted by that and talk through that, that was kind of like our shining glory. And then, and all of that, rather God shining glory, but like our highlight of our, our highlight reel so far, the the top of our ladder. And then in all of that, God's really started to work in Crystal and I's hearts about the church and what the church looks like and why the church looks the way it looks. And it started to really, we started to really have questions about why we do things the way we do things. Um, Why does church service look the way church service looks? Why do they teach the things they teach? Um, And then, kind of shifted our focus a little bit away from marriage and more into, and this has been more recently. So in the last year and a half or so, um, especially going into the pandemic, right. Uh, kind of really reshaping our focus away from big church and away from institutional church and back into right home churches and home groups mm-hmm. and small groups um, and really starting to impact your neighbors and your neighborhood Right. And the people that are closest to you for God, as opposed to this kind of utilitarian, the most good for the most amount of people, which isn't necessarily all inclusive. We've discovered in the, in the institutional church. Um, so I hope I had all the highlights. That was kind of our, uh, right. My dumpster fire of a story of my dumpster fire life. Um, <laughs> but in the end, it's been really good. We really, we literally went from, uh, chaos and disillusionment um, to joy and peace, right? From 
a place of a place of right just kind of despair and misery even if we didn't necessarily even recognize it at the time looking back on that now we can see how clearly messed up we were and how messed up that what that period of our life was and to be where we are now um right nobody does that but god nobody can clean your slate like that and give you that do over and that restart um like god has the ability to do and not only does he have the ability to do that for us but he has the ability to do that with anybody so if you're out there listening right now and you're like god can't use me god can't reach me right god doesn't have anything to teach me um did you hear my story yeah right like (laughs) like literally i was that guy i was that guy that was like yeah i don't right god eh, do with do without um i i am now an ordained minister um i've been to bible school um i've spent the last six or so years of my life teaching small groups teaching classes teaching um or I would I would love to do seminars, speaking at fundraisers, um, speaking at churches, speaking at right whatever opportunity I've had to to be able to kind of share this story and to share my life and to share the good that's come out of just kind of surrendering your fight and letting Jesus guide your steps. Right, I am where I am today because Jesus put me here. Um, I am who I am today because of the life that Jesus has done, the work that Jesus has done in my life. Um, I am where I am today, right? Because I feel as if God wanted me to fulfill a particular purpose and has really walked me through this last last six years of my life, six, eight years of my life, um, guiding me to that purpose and continues Mm -hmm. to do so, right? This is an ongoing journey. Right. so when the question arises, like, what's your why? I guess the answer for me becomes, I know where I was and I know who I was and I know where I am. And now I know where I'm going. And I know that God has the capability and the ability to do that for everybody. Right. I was that person that thought I was beyond reach, beyond resolution, beyond restitution, beyond redemption. There was no way that I could be fixed or healed or right. I was just going to suffer through life and that was as good as it gets. And the answer to that is that is not as good as it gets, right? Jesus has a purpose and a plan. God has a purpose and a plan for your life. I say that all the time and I could not mean it any more than I'm saying it right now. Right. Even if, even if you don't know what that purpose and that plan is, Jesus has one. God has a purpose and a plan and he's going to lead you through it. If you're willing to lay down all your BS and let him lead you to it. Right. That's my why. I just want to see people get healed. I want to share Jesus with people. I want to see people get better. I want to see people wake up and be like, oh my gosh, there's a better way. That was the biggest thing that God showed us in our transition was, right, this isn't the only way. There's a better way. There's a better way to live. There's a better way to have relationship. There's a better way to get along with people. There's a better way to do all of the things that you were doing. And Jesus went before us. Right. We have the instruction book. We have the the guide. Yeah, I think so. um, It's a couple of things that your story brings up for me. Number, number one, I think it was C.S. Lewis who said, 
we often look at the church and think that this should be a place full of the nicest people and the best people that you know. And, and you and I have even been guilty of saying, you know, Christians should be, should have been the ones on the front lines of serving and all that stuff. Instead, you know, the last year, how many Christians and, and even the last four years, how many Christians have we seen behaving poorly and, and all this stuff. And C.S. Lewis says, that's exactly how it should be because what Jesus offers is to help the broken and, and to, and to offer forgiveness. And, and he attracts those people and his message and he, in rising from the dead, he attracts the most, I mean, even his apostles were the most damaged, broken, you know, it was a motley crew um, to say the least. So we shouldn't be surprised when the church looks like that. So I want to be, I just want to point out to people like you and I have been guilty of saying this. And I still think that if you are a Christian that's mature in your walk, you absolutely should be on the, the front lines of serving and helping and, and being neighborly. But we've even shared stories about how you and I have failed at that. Um, so, so just know, you know, coming, going to church, coming to Christ, it, you, you know, there's a lot of people who go there who are just absolutely broken. It's not a place for per- perfection he exists because there is no perfection um, outside of him. The other, so I just want to point out the other thing that you, you, you talking about all this reminded me of is you keep saying, I'm not there. You know, Jesus has offered me a lot, but I still work on it. We're still, you know, and we've said this before too, that like, just because you have Jesus and you've accepted him as your savior, doesn't mean that life is just magically going to get easier and that there's this magic wand that's going to be waved and all your problems are going to go away. And we were watching Andy Stanley, but it wasn't Andy Stanley. North Point had a guest speaker. Clay Scroggins is his name. I never heard of the dude. And he, um, he just, we watched his service and he said, he tells the story of Paul and Silas uh, getting put in prison. And at midnight, they're in prison. Their feet are fastened to the floor. They're, sur- they're in the middle of the prison. Things are as hopeless as they can be. They have no hope. They literally have no hope to get out. They've been beaten. They're probably going to die. At least that's what they think. And at midnight of that night, what, what are they found doing? They're singing. singing hymns and worshiping God, knowing that things may not get better than this. And we have talked about this, that the first century church did not expect things to be easy. In fact, Jesus's promises as a Christ follower, things will be difficult for you. What he offers is that he will be there for you, that you can count on him and rely on him. And that there is a peace that comes from that. And the peace that comes from knowing Jesus is different than a magic wand that's waved over all your problems, right? There's a, there's a, a, a comfort that comes from knowing Christ that's different from a magic wand and all your problems going away. It's a new perspective to your problems. It's a new way of thinking about your problems and processing your problems. Um, so those things stood out to me about your story. I mean, could you imagine Jason? And, and the other thing is, is we, we tend to, to dump on the, the church a little bit in, in America at least. Um, but if it wasn't for those churches, you and I would not be where we are today. Absolutely so, true. So they, they serve a play, a purpose and a place. And we'll dig into, I'm sure, down the road at some point more about all this. But I had um, the church that um, I, I was at a church and they brought in a guest to come talk to some of the leaders. And he drew on this whiteboard a line, um, you know, like a, a line going up. But as he was drawing the line, he drew this gap in the line. And he talked about the line represented spiritual growth. 
And he said that most churches in America are really good at getting people on this, the start of this line. They're really good at bringing people in. And, and, and we know some churches that are really amazing at speaking to the not to the unchurched. I think that it's incredibly noble to be a church, even if you're a big church that focuses on reaching the unchurched because they need to be reached. Those people need to hear that message. But he said, what happens is that mission becomes so focused on that, that there's this gap where you get people to a certain point and then they become hungry for some, for more. And a lot of churches try to fill that gap with, with small groups and life groups. And I think that's, that's the right thing. And I think just if, if we could highlight to what people, what we're, what you and I both got to in our journey is we've, we've both hit that gap at various phases where we go, okay, we're ready for something more. Um, you have found that in some ways in that small group environment, in, in a home church environment, I think. Um, and, and I think there's a lot of, 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 you know, I just think everybody's walk is going to look different. Everyone's going to get to this place where you're just spiritually, you're going to want more you and I have found more in various ways, but this fellowship, this relationship that we have has been our more in one way or another, right? Like, and, and I think, you know, if I think about why we wanted to do this podcast, it was to show people what non-toxic, healthy male relationships look like um, and what having a, a, a Christian-based relationship can look like, that it's not, you know, we're not, not swearing. We're not, not drinking. We're not, not doing these things. We're very much active sinners who are working to get better. We have this relationship to work through those things together. Right. And that's the purpose of this. And I don't know if that had anything to do with what we were just talking about. I just went on my own. Totally I had fine. to listen to you for 40 minutes. And it was I great, right? And I, I totally <laughs> robbed you of all of the time. We're not going to get through both of us today. I didn't um, think we so would. Totally fine. I, the, I did have one question for you. Um, Thanks. Cause I feel like I probably need to clarify a couple of things. No, you know, honestly, we, we're not going to not start, you know, like, Oh, this is the last episode. So, you know, you don't get any of your questions answered. I'm sure we will record plenty more. And, and that's the thing is, and I wanted to say this too, you just told the most condensed version of your story that I've ever heard. I've never heard you try to tell your story in a condensed amount of time over a half dozen years. Plus you and I have gotten this out of each other over time. Right. Right. Um, I can remember our first meeting still. I can remember um, you saying to me, coming to me as what you perceived as a leader in the church saying, you know, I'm here because I, I'm, I'm, I'm craving more out of Jesus and out of church. And I, and I want to be around people who I perceive to be, you know, where I want to be. And you came to me like, I want mentorship. And I was like, I'm not sure I'm qualified for this. Um, I, so I think, you know, getting your story out in 40 minutes is just not possible. So we're going to continue to hear about each of our stories um, in the coming episodes. But one thing you said to me that stood out, and I know you and Crystal have really been big into forgiveness, um, but you both went to not only your exes, but you went to each other's exes. And you said you went to get forgiveness. My question is, did you get it? And what did you do if you didn't get it? Um, yes, right. We both got to have conversations with our own spouses and with each other's spouses where, right, where we got to kind of put our cards on the table and seek that forgiveness from them. Um, I don't know what it would look like if we didn't get it. I can tell you that both of those conversations for both of us were probably the most nerve wracking, frightening (laughs) difficult conversations that you ever went in would ever go into 
because the person on the other end has every right and every motivation in the world to slap you upside your face and tell you that you're crazy. Mm -hmm. You hurt me. You damaged me. You did this thing. Um, You're responsible for it. And there's no way that I could forgive you for that. Mm -hmm. Um, They have every right. They had every right. But in both of those conversations and both of those meetings, that's not what happened. Mm -hmm. Right. We were met with um, absolute openness and absolute grace and absolute kindness and absolute forgiveness there has been there has been no clearer a demonstration of Jesus love in either of our lives than those conversations that we got to have with our exes circled around centered around forgiveness mm-hmm. like I cannot more clearly show you what Jesus love looks like than that and those conversations have been a massive catalyst for Crystal and I to continue to do the work that we do, to continue to help people the way that we help people and to continue to encourage people to have those difficult conversations centered around forgiveness, because we know what the other side can look like. Mm -hmm. Right. And again, to stress your point earlier, it doesn't magically mean everything is better. I forgive you. Doesn't heal the wounds. Mm -hmm. Right. It does and does have to be the very first step that you take in the direction of healing of any direction of any healing and any, and any capacity forgiveness has to be the first step. Oh yeah. You, I mean, I think that it takes an, an incredible amount of courage to go to somebody and ask for forgiveness because one, you, you, you're not going to, you're probably not going to get it. And two, you have to take ownership of you're taking ownership of something that you've done. And, and we both are saying asking for forgiveness, which is not the same thing as an apology or saying you're sorry. It's saying, I did this thing to you. There's no excuse for it. I'm asking for your forgiveness and I'm recognizing I may not get it. And it's a way to heal a relationship, not in a way that, you know, you're not friends with, you know, crystals acts or you know vice versa or any of those things but it's a way to put that relationship in right standing so that it no longer holds each party hostage um, and opens the door for healing um those are brave conversations that the two of you had um and difficult incredibly difficult and incredibly hard and incredibly scary because like i said they didn't they both had every right every right and still have every right to not have addressed those things the way that they address them. But right. I want to say, <clears throat> I want to say too, that that's evident of Jesus working in their lives. Right. As well. Right. Totally. Right. I, don't, I don't think you get that without Jesus. No, no. I mean, yeah, that's, you know, otherworldly level of forgiveness and, um, grace, right? Yes, absolutely. And in the unlikely event that either of them happen to be listening to this conversation, <laughs> um, I just want to say thank you. Yeah. I want you. I want you to understand that I understand that that wasn't something that you were required to do, and that wasn't that forgiveness wasn't something that you were required to give us or that you had to do. Um, but I do want you to know that it's been extremely freeing and extremely motivating on both of our parts and 
motivates us on a daily basis to continue to seek after Jesus because mm-hmm. of that, because right. we know what that looks like. Thank you for showing us what Jesus looks like in human form so that we can continue to seek after that in the rest of our relationships. Yeah. As imperfect as they are. All right. So as we wind down, I'm hesitant to like for forecast what we're going to talk about the next time we meet because we do a really good job of forecasting and then not at all having that conversation like the last episode was like tune in next time for more mcu and it's like oh wait just kidding you're going to learn about jason i think it keeps people on their toes yeah so we may or may not talk about my story the next time we we get together so you know you know uh listen to the next one at your own risk knowing you might hear my story you might catch more MCU conversation. We don't know. Right. All right, right. buddy. That, the absolute truth is what happens is we go about two weeks between recording. Yeah. And typically that means we go two weeks without having um, a legitimate conversation other than the occasional text message back and forth, <laughs> which means the list of things that I want to talk to you about is literally a like page long. Keeps growing. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. we never get to 90% of it. So no. That's just the way life is. So again, we may or may not talk about Josh next week. We yeah. may or may not talk about something that happens tomorrow or next Monday. Or WandaVision. Or WandaVision. True story. All, All right, right I got to get to work. You got to get out of here. Yeah. Uh, another you. good it's- week. Thank you for sharing with us. And I look forward to hearing more about all of this. I'm sure everybody does as well as we continue to record this podcast. Yeah.